What is going on? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another fabulous installment of the Matt and Dennis podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dennis Fincy, and I'm joined by Peruge. That's Grandma. Come on. <laughs> oh, some- did you want some big, elaborate introduction? I was waiting for waiting for some uh, some some physical adjectives describing my uh, physique that I've done absolutely no work on. Well, I mean, you're looking pretty hot to me. You're sporting a uh, gray, possibly heather gray, charcoal gray. Can't really tell. Long sleeve Nike. Is that a dry fit? It is. It is. is a dry it, fit. It, uh, to uh, soak up all that sweat, I'm sure you're getting in the. Dennis, chilly, chilly air that is Michigan. Dennis, I have to point out, sometimes hey. when you start the show commenting on my clothing and the Zoom that our listeners can't see, sometimes I think it's weird. But other times, like right now, I'm thinking maybe Dennis is more intelligent than I am. Maybe he sees the economic and advertising opportunities that this could have. By Perhaps. The logo maybe some employees of the companies that you and I sport on occasion in the zoom broadcast, maybe they're listening. So while I am wearing a Nike dry fit shirt, that wouldn't necessarily mean that myself or Dennis would really enjoy Nike sponsoring the show. That doesn't necessarily mean that or that would, or that from occasion, if Dennis is drinking a, a cold Bud Light or Coors Light, and I am enjoying a White Claw or a Bell's Two-Hearted from Michigan, while we enjoy that, that doesn't necessarily mean that we would be looking for them to, to advertise on our show. Or it would be. Yeah. That we're looking for them to advertise on our show. That may very well be the case. They could do worse, Matt. Can't confirm that, but that may very well be the case. Thanks for coming, everybody. That's all we had to say this week. Now, only kidding. Adios. We don't really, oh, drop my phone. <laughs> we don't really have much to talk about because uh, not a lot happened. And that's why we might be taking this bad boy right back down to once a week because we're just exhausted ourselves at this point. We're talking about the same things over and over again. But we will start with some news because there are some things that happened. And I don't know how much time we're going to spend on it. And I know Matt doesn't love to talk about the younger brothers of our beloved sports franchises. So we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, although it is important to address and to talk about, because it is a serious issue. This is no laughing matter on this podcast, even though we're smiling and making fun of the younger brother. That is the New York Metropolitans because just when we thought the Mets were going to rival the Yankees, they're going to come from the ashes they're going to bring, black, bring back the black jerseys, the alternates that everybody loves. They go and hire a general manager. And in two weeks' time, two months, what was it? How long was he on the job? Uh, it, was short. it was short term. I, I believe it was a month and like four days. Okay. I literally just read the article, and I can't, I can't remember how long he was there. I, I think- uh, but he has no... I, I think it was, and I'll, I'll fact check this right now while you're talking. Uh, I okay. believe it was December 13th he was hired. Well, regardless, he's no longer there uh, for sending salacious images of himself. As he describes, they weren't of himself. Uh, 62 
unread text messages, that's a lot, uh, to a female, I guess she was a reporter or a journalist that worked uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, the time that this took place, at the time of all of this, he was a scout, I believe, in the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. I think something in their scouting department somewhere along that, if I remember parts of the article. Uh, and of course, all of this comes out when he is promoted to general manager of the New York Mets. He has been since fired for these acts. Of course he was. How in the world would the Mets stand up there and say that, no, he did it in the past. Let's put it behind us and move on. No, they would just be outcast by Major League Baseball and sports fans, more than sports fans. Honestly, this is going to be picked up in every news article because honestly, of where this country's gone with making the workplace a better place for men, women, everybody. Uh, So Matt, I don't know if you have any initial thoughts, but yeah, creep move. Nobody, look, I'm going to be frank with you here. Nobody likes wiener picks, okay? That was part of the 62 text messages. I don't know at what point he thought maybe he would get a reply. Was it like after two? Because that's that's big in society. Send back-to-back texts. It's like, all right, settle down, bub. Pump the brakes. Maybe I'm doing something. Maybe I ran to the bathroom. Maybe I'm cracking a white claw. You know, you never know. 10, 20, 40. Uh, I am not going to steal his joke, but I don't know if you saw KFC's video that he did on this from Barstool where he said maybe 59 shaking it off 60 that that's what i'm gonna get a reply nah 61 and then he mark mcguire's it for 62 hitting it out of the park so i thought that was a good joke you know not making light of this situation but just making light of this awful human being apparently that thought he could harass a journalist in the sport uh she by the way is no longer in the sport Mm -hmm. she's doing other things and that adds to this because espn apparently had all the information they had all the text messages had her statements since 2017, it all comes out, of course, once he's a general manager, which some people on the internet were quick to report. Why bring this out now when he just gets hired as a GM of the Mets and not, I don't know, as soon as she was out of Major League Baseball? Hey, who's to say? I understand you got to protect your sources. Protect her, of course. She's the one that was harassed. But, you know, both sides, I guess. I don't know thoughts yeah well dennis there there is no both sides um let me make that very clear um and no, i'm not condoning the people that i'm just saying these yeah. are the things that are out there on the internet yeah no and there's there's absolutely no both sides of this and um there's a lot of and and, and, and when things like this happen um these controversial things whether it is related to Drugs, criminal activity, uh, sexual harassment in the workplace, especially like when you and I are reading these things because you and I are sports nuts and and we prefer to see what's the big contract? What was the big highlight? What was the, these are not as fun to talk about and I'm sure for sports journalists and analysts, not as fun to report about, but the, these things happen. And, and one, and, and you and I have been, honestly, this could be up for debate. I've been talking about the Mets more in the last few weeks than we've been talking about the Yankees and cards of the Mets for that. It's what I said. Yeah. And now, Mets unfortunately for the relevant. Mets, we are still talking more about the Mets, but tonight for the wrong reasons, but 
while I say that, credit to Steve Cohen for squashing this like a bug immediately. That, like, like you have mentioned, probably more so than I have, this says that the Mets, in terms of their athleticism, in terms of their professionalism, in terms of their ethics, their morals are headed in a, in a positive direction after being in a mess for so long. Now, um, and, I, and I looked it up while you were talking, it was December 13th. Uh, Porter's been the Mets GM for 38 years. Obviously, that ended very early this morning. Um, and this is, for so long in sports and in different fields, this type of harassment that we've been reading about since like seven, eight o'clock this morning ha- has happened in many, many workplaces. And it's now, it was something you could get away with. It was something that was never right. Don't get me wrong, but it was something you could probably get away with. That has ended now. And it wasn't like he did this yesterday or the week he was hired by the Mets or six months before he was hired by the Mets. This happened nearly five years ago and now it's catching up to him and credit to the Mets for biting this in the ass and this shows that if you're thinking about doing this or if you're thinking about I don't think anyone's like yep today I'm going to wake up and sexually harass someone or not sexually harass someone but mentally harass someone and send a picture of my junk to someone Maybe this will make people in sports and just in the workplace in general, male or female, think twice before they do that. And while a lot of people are like, oh, this is blah, 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 cancel culture. And and the, the girl, she wanted these things. One, the girl did not want these things. She made it explicitly clear. We may never find out her name or what country she came from. But she said, America, while it's not there yet, has made significantly more progress than her home country in how they treat women with respect. In her home country, if she came out and said a guy was harassing me and sending me dick pics, I would not be treated seriously and my reputation would be in the crapper. And that's awesome to see that the Mets took this on head on and said, we're not going to tolerate this. Like maybe you've changed, maybe you've matured. Great. Congratulations to you. But we're looking for a fresh start here. And even if that, even if that wasn't where the Mets organization was and where Steve Cohen was, they addressed this. That is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for, all for forgiveness. People make mistakes. Maybe he will get an opportunity in the future. Um, but this was the absolute. No, I don't think so. This, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's going to be a major league baseball or with the New York Mets. Don't get me wrong. Like I may be flipping burgers somewhere, but but the Mets made the absolute right call. <laughs> and like you said, one or two texts, apparent from from the the, the witness statement, uh, it was like, oh yeah, I got some information. You want to go get some drinks later tonight? It's like, oh wow, that's so nice of this guy to do this. Fifty something texts later, and a couple <laughs> dong picks. Like that—that's just borderline mental and borderline creep, or not borderline. It's way, way past yeah, mental, yeah. way past creepy, and and as not a Mets fan, credit to Steve Cohen and the Mets for for not giving this any oxygen and just crushing it 
essentially immediately. The, the, the report came out a little after, give or take, I think 11 o'clock at night. And then 11, 11.30 last night. And by eight o'clock this morning, he was canned. So credits to the Mets for that. That's one going to show, again, a lot of athletes, a lot of staff members, whether it's sports or otherwise, that this is not tolerable. And maybe now in the workplace, and there's going to be other examples of this, more of this stuff will come out, but there's going to, it's making an example that think twice before you want to act like an idiot to any of your work colleagues in the workplace and your social life. Think twice because these sort of things, whether it was, whether you did it last night or whether you did it four or five years ago, these actions have repercussions. The Mets made the absolute right call. And I mean, not that I thought the Mets weren't a classy organization, but their class in my book and the world of sports went up significantly with that announcement this morning. Yeah. Especially well Cohen. Yeah. And look, I don't know how I guess you hire him and you don't have, any inkling of this information, maybe that's a credit to the sources and to ESPN for sitting on the information. Because again, I think I mentioned this, that she didn't want any of this brought out while she was still in the industry covering baseball. She right. didn't want it to negatively affect her career. Didn't want to be in the spotlight in that way. Yep. So exactly. whoever the sources were, ESPN, it was Mina Kimes and Jeff Passan that wrote the story. So whether they were involved with it in 2017, I don't know. But yeah, now that she's out of the... The lead, she's out of the industry as a whole. She's not even in sports media. So it's Correct. able to, like you said, bring it to light so that hopefully it's, you think twice, but also that, look, if I'm going to be a scumbag, then it's going to eventually be found out and I'm going to lose my job and possibly never work in the industry that I want to work in again. Because and that's, and like, I guess what she says, America moving forward, it, I guess it took us a long time. You hear these stories and you're like, duh, the guy should be fired. But at least now it seems when owners or CEOs, whoever might be of a company, you're hearing these stories, they're nipping it in the butt real quick because they're letting you know it's not going to be tolerated. And I think that puts us in a better place. Probably still some steps to climb, but at least I think we're way, way closer to the top than the bottom like we were, say, even 20 years ago at this point. For sure. So we'll leave it there. We'll move on because we have other things. To discuss one of those things college basketball Matt football's on the wayside even though for some people they're still talking football because it's a dumpster fire down there in Na- Knoxville for Tennessee those poor bastards I tell you just three or four years ago at this point 2021 Steve Fulmer comes in former coach he coached Peyton Manning as the athletic director hiring Jeremy Pruitt a Tennessee guy oh the fans were happy the university was happy Tennessee's back Three short years later, apparently they were handing out bundles of cash in McDonald's bags. And I'll tell you what, if I was one of those players and there wasn't a 10-piece, either above or below that wad of cash, I'm sending them back. And don't forget the sweet and sour sauce. Now, you bring me my nugs, I'll see you in the fall, coach. But it's a whole mess down there in Knoxville. I feel bad for them because they have one of the best uh, alma maters out there. Good old rock top. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Good old the banger. Rocky top. Woo! Yeah, you got it. You're on. Uh, but I digress. Ba- their basketball teams currently getting their uh, doors blown off by Florida. 
So that's not good. Top five loss probably coming for possibly the SEC favorite, although Alabama and LSU play each other tonight, and they're both like 11-1, and 10-2, and two, something like that. I'm brushing up on my basketball, Matt, because now I have nothing else to watch because the NFL is only on two days a week, and it's going to shortly end, sadly. So it's on to basketball, trying to sprinkle in a little hockey. I'm this close to maybe getting an ESPN Plus package just to maybe watch some extra hockey. Because other than that, I got to, like, do it on the uh, NBC app. I guess I could go the illegal route of the fire stick. What's a hassle? It's a pain in the ass. It's not, it's not illegal because I still have to have a cable thing that credit to, or I should say shout out to Lauren's mom who has cable uh, by De- the Detroit area that we just kind of like jump on there sometimes. That's why I do it. use my families. Yeah. And ESPN plus Dennis, it's literally like eight bucks a month now for you. It's still five bucks for me because I'm a, I've been a loyal customer for years, but it would be they like jacked up the price. They jacked up the price. They literally sent me an email. They were like, hey, just wanted to let you know we're putting the price. It was like $7.99 or $8.99. They were like, because you've been with us for so many years, your price will stay the same. Because for some reason you bought this when we had no content for it, it was $5.99 a month. We're going to keep it at that price for you. Still got it. ESPN Plus. Please enjoy the latest of Peyton's Places and some PTI podcasts. Now, I've, I've, I've shouted ESPN Plus plenty of times. I mean, it's, it's best... I mean, if you don't have a horse in the race, don't get me wrong. Like, what if you if you're a sports fan, like me, like like we were talking Friday nights, like you said, I'm a casual college football fan. Absolutely, Matt. We might as well bring this up now that Michigan's getting a sports book. This yeah, time. yeah. Let, let's here. Let's go into this now. But you can uh, hold off college basketball for a little. Yeah, nice. No, to talk about just like ESPN Plus has been a huge thing because one, I have my teams. Like obviously, I talk about Temple, Temple football, Temple basketball. I lived in Orlando for like six years and I love, I'm the season ticket holder for the Orlando soccer team. A lot of these sports, you can get all of their games and you get local broadcast, which is awesome. And you get it for not even eight for, for Dennis, for a first time user and ESPN is not endorsing us or advertising here at all. It's just that great of a, like for someone like me that does not live well, and I already subscribed to Hulu and steal my sister's Disney Plus, so I would just get the bundle. There you go. And thank you to one of my friends. Um, don't want to get them in trouble on here, but they passed along uh, their NHL TV password to me. So I only watch all the Bruins games, but I could watch pretty much any game other than the Red Wings because we would get them if we had cable, so it's blacked out here. But, um, yeah, ESPN Plus, just great. Like, I get to watch all the Temple games. I get to watch all the Orlando soccer games. And the best part is, like, when Dennis and I were doing the show late Friday night, I could watch pointless games like California State Bakersfield versus Fresno State at 11.30. Sure, I don't care who wins, but I would rather turn that on than not have any sports on at that. And it's literally going to 1.30 in the morning. Same yeah, but you nudge Lauren on the side of you like, hey, give you two-to-one odds that Bakersfield covers. Did you see that Fresno State three-pointer? Yeah, and – especially when college football is a regular year, not during COVID games start at noon and you literally can get like Hawaii versus Seattle at midnight and the, you're getting college football two, three, it's a great investment. And yeah, uh, online sports betting, which we knew was coming to Michigan when I sent out the, the text that, Oh, FanDuel, DraftKings, um, bet river, like all these things are, 
are, are coming to, to Michigan. I, I wasn't like, oh, wow, I didn't see this coming. They announced uh, early in the fall that um, online sports betting would be a thing in Michigan. And they, but they said by the end of 2020. So every other day in the months of November and December, I had DraftKings downloaded because obviously my family, a lot of them live in New Jersey where that is legal. So you'd go there, they would track like your GPS, see that you're in New Jersey and let you do it or let you go on the app. So I would be on the app and then I would try it in Michigan. It's like, no, no, not yet. So I knew it was coming. Um, It did not happen by the end of 2020, but I guess the Michigan uh, gaming board, um, which I did not know was a thing, um, announced that starting this Friday at noon, online sports betting will be a thing, which is awesome. And then also at the exact same time, absolutely terrifying. So that will make uh, this weekend of uh, playoff football and college basketball that much more exciting and enticing. And Dennis, unfortunately, college football's over. And we were literally talking about this a week or two ago where you said I might become more of a casual fan if this was a, a variable in the equation. Now it is. And uh, who knows how much longer I'll be in Michigan. Um, but like I also said in our group chat, not to make a political comment, sometimes this can, can, can be considered so. But like I said, um, and to our listeners that are not in there, I don't think it is a matter of if online sports betting will be legal in every state, such as Florida, such as New York and Connecticut. I think it's a matter of when. And I don't know if there is a correlation of, because you would say if there was a correlation, New Jersey probably wouldn't have online sports betting, but New Jersey is home to the second biggest location of casinos in America. While you've been talking about this, I've been trying to find the number from the revenue that New Jersey made last year. It like nearly surpassed Las Vegas or broken. They break records every month. There's more and more money wagered every month. You're an idiot. If you're at the local state governments to think that your state would not profit off of this. Well, that is because, and uh, I'm sure it's partly because New Jersey is smack, like Connecticut is smack dab between two major cities in Boston and New York city. New Jersey is smack dab between two major cities in New York city and Philadelphia. So I, I, I always thought, and I don't know if I base this on any factual evidence, but I always thought a reason why Connecticut uh, was not in the online sports betting uh, game yet was because of how prominent places like Foxwoods and Mohegan were. But that wouldn't make sense because, again, New Jersey behind Las Vegas is the biggest, to my knowledge, uh, biggest state for casinos uh, in the United States. Um, but again, I, I stand by my prediction that I, I, I think, and I don't think it's going to happen this year or next year, maybe even the next five years, but I think online sports betting will be a thing. The majority of the country, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So I was able to, I should have just went on Twitter to find it. I tried Googling it. Twitter, just much easier. These are the numbers I was talking about. New Jersey sports betting handle by year. In 2018, when it started in June from December, generated $1.19 billion. 2019, 4.58 billion. This past year, 6.01 billion. 11 
$1.7 billion in the two and a half years it's been up in New Jersey. The record that I was talking about was, I guess, New Jersey set a new monthly sports betting state handle. Uh, they topped themselves with each month. So, like, we're talking about a pandemic year where sports wishy-washy, who was in, who was out, who was canceled, people talking about it all year long about, oh, they're not really paying attention, they're not invested. Well, in August, 667.9 million dollars were wagered, 748.5 in September, 803 in October, 931 in November, 996 in December. Yes, all those figures, numbers, the previous high apparently for a month was $614 million month of November, 2019. So pre-pandemic. So New Jersey topped it with five months straight to end 2020. So yeah, I'd say it's a good idea. Us sports fans, degenerates, just let us do it. If it's Matt's dollar, if it's Dennis's dollar 25, just let us do it. And Dennis, I have to be honest, I don't... I don't know if it was when we were at the hard hat uh, that one night where I told you that I love doing $1 bets. I mean, it's possible that you always, you you'll have like, you pick up a parlay. Anytime you talk to your cousin in New Jersey or when you're with your family on vacation, you'll go on the app and you'll play a little bit. And it's usually the, the basketball games or even football pack 12 after dark that aren't kicking off, tipping off till 1030 Eastern time, sometimes 1130 if they're over in Hawaii. Oh, I wagered a dollar on this $5 total. And I got like six games going. It's like, are you insane? <laughs> it's almost no, not dude. worth it, but you can bet your ass. You're sitting on your ass, polishing off tall, cool Budweiser's and rooting for teams that you would never root for in your entire life. Well, I mean, the reason why I do that is because I usually put that dollar on Pepperdine and then it gets me like 12 bucks and which Pepperdine was holding their own against Gonzaga at halftime the other night, which made it very interesting. But no, you you are correct. I, I I do enjoy doing that, and because I'm not super confident, I don't think I've had much success in the sports betting world. So maybe if I have more, uh, I'll be more inclined to to drop some more. But yeah, very very excited. Again, uh, don't know how much time I have left in the state of Michigan, but um, it, it's a matter of when. And not if, and this is a big thing. And like you mentioned, thank you for bringing up those statistics. It, it, it's it's br- driving in money, significant amounts of money. And this is the future. So I, 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 I'd be interested in this as a conversation for another night. I'd be interested to see. Obviously, we know Atlantic City's been in trouble for a long time. I don't think it's because of sports betting that's in trouble. But economically, Atlantic City's been in trouble. Vegas seems to be doing all right. Mohegan and Foxwoods, I mean, obviously the pandemic aside, seems to be doing all right. So I don't know how that plays a role, but. Well, I'll tell you what. They definitely get a hefty payday every time the uh, Atlantic City Bowlers League comes to town featuring the great Ellis Gill, Nick Burns, Zach McNeil, who doesn't listen to this podcast because he's a jerk. Uh <laughs> Every time they head down, I've been down a couple of times, throwing a couple of shekels down on a table, you know, auctioning off a couple of Corona, perhaps. Oh. Yeah, good time. Other than that, it's kind of lame down there. There's nothing to do. 
you know. But either who, let's talk some basketball because perfect little segue there. We're talking about sports gambling. When do people probably gamble the most in a given year? Possibly March Madness. Matt, we got some new dates for you. I have to open up the Twitter machine once again to find the dates. I actually have them up. I have them up if you want me to read them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just ahead, uh, I just brought them up. So NCAA announces for the NCAA tournament. The, the first four will be the Thursday after Selection Sunday, which will be March 18th. Um, the first round, March 19th through my birthday, the 20th, which makes my birthday one of the best days because you just party and... Uh, Especially on a Saturday. Yeah, no, and you just, yeah, you just have a good time and... Um, that's weird. Both of our 30th birthdays falling on a Saturday. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that, that does not happen often. Um, second round, right after that, obviously, March 21st to the 22nd. Sweet 16 is March 27th to the 28th, the next weekend. And then the Elite Eight, March 20th through 30th. Um, each Sweet 16 game will have its own time slot. I think that is the first time that has happened. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Also, with the Elite Eight being Monday, Tuesday, then of course the Final Four. Goes April to Saturday, 4th. like normally, with the national title game on Monday. Correct. Uh, so all of this being done to allow for proper testing and protocols, even though they are bubbling it. We've already talked about that on the show. They're all playing in Indiana in the three venues that are there. Uh, but I think, I mean, I don't really see the big deal. I guess maybe the first weekend kind of sucks because, who you know, you going into work Monday. Oh, cool. There's college basketball. I don't know if it holds that same luster rather than a, you know, Thursday through Sunday deal, but, uh, you know, interesting. My, my big thing is that the way people have talked about this is okay. Let's just hope we can get to this point. I think we're all assuming we will because college basketball, college athletics as a whole, like we've talked about cannot not have, March Madness for a second straight year. Um, so I, my big thing is people right now, at least analysts, guys that know the game, your Fran Fraschillas, your Jay Billises, they're beginning to think that we won't have conference tournaments, that possibly we just seed it at, seed it at, you know, seeding wise with how they finish the regular season. I don't know if, I think maybe they'll become too important to the conferences as a whole. And obviously like we dealt with in college football, there is no one governing body. So the conferences can really do whatever the hell they want. What that means, are we going to have an automatic bid an automatic qualifier? Some people are saying that for your group of five, which is the vast majority or maybe even half of the NCAA tournament to not have their full conference tournaments, because a lot of those conferences, they don't play at one location. You know, the ACC is going to play in Greensboro, or I think they've played in Brooklyn in the past couple of years. ACC. The Big is going to play in Chicago. Yeah. The Big 12 plays in, I think they play in Dallas, right? They yeah. at AT&T Stadium? Which one? The Big 12? Where do they play? Mm-hmm. Big 12. No, Big 10's been at the United Center in Chicago. Where's the Big 12 play? They've played at... It's like Phillips 66 or something is the one that. Yeah, but that's like the sponsor thing, but that's just a gas station. No, I know there's a sponsor, but is that is it in Kansas City? I'm trying to picture it. 
Big 12 come basketball. I always thought it was in Texas. It, it could be. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to look it up. Come. I'm sure this is fun for the listener. Yeah, I'll no, keep going. Sure it is, but yeah, no. Here, I'll, I'll, well, I'm just letting you. I'll keep going to let you do your due diligence and your research. You got it? No, I'm still looking. Yeah, dude. Okay, you keep looking. So what they're saying is for the group of five. So like, let's say. I don't know, some of the Mountain West, uh, the Sun Belt, the Atlantic 10, so, uh, or, I mean, in the Conference USA, go down the list of all these different, uh, the MEAC, where they will play the Ivy League, which we know they're canceled, but that play their games, the higher seed as the home game, and then eventually, like the Final Four or the National, not National Conference Championship is played maybe at a neutral site. Oftentimes it's not, though, still played at a home court, depending on who has the higher seed in the conference. And they're saying maybe do away with all of that. Keep it for four teams playing at one court. So maybe it's the one seed. The team that finishes with the best record in that conference for that season is going to host four teams. We're going to have a final four, then a championship. That winner deemed uh, eligible for the NCAA tournament. Maybe that's how they do it. That's just one thing that they're saying. It is worrisome because they're saying – we're already having problems with college basketball every couple of days. It's another team that gets hit with COVID that then has to quarantine. And we've already seen it where this isn't like college football. And we knew it wasn't going to be like college football where you can hit, get hit with COVID. Maybe a player has got to sit for 10 days. Maybe it's a coach and the game can still go on. Maybe it's a unit. So an offensive line, a receiving core gets wiped out. You miss one game. Well, in college basketball, you might miss five or six especially with the way that they're doing scheduling. We have some of these smaller leagues that yes, typically play a back-to-back, but a lot of times it's a home and away with an opponent. Now it's just a back-to-back and they're literally playing on a Saturday and Sunday or a Friday and Saturday at the same court against the same team, just to avoid travel. I mean, Villanova's playing the night we're recording this podcast They're playing tonight for the first time in 27 days. That's ridiculous. We're in the middle of January they haven't played since before Christmas. That's insane. And they have to play Seton Hall. They might lose tonight. Who knows? But, you know, both teams are good. That's the here today. The issue, I think, that is has to be addressed is, will we have conference tournaments? I, I could easily That's- see us not having conference tournaments at any level just because why, why risk it? And at the same point, are we really going to let a team – let's say like Villanova, who I just mentioned, who was playing for the first time in 27 days, who hasn't even played six total games yet this season. Are they really worthy over, I don't know, a Belmont who's 11-1 right now? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. And Dennis, not to interrupt you, but uh, um, I had to leave the Matt and Dennis studios for a brief moment. But I, but no, I, I thought I did a great job just continuing to talk, and then you just pull the curtain right from under me. Uh, I am Wizard of Oz. You just open up the curtain. Now they all know. You did a great job. Yeah, you did. Um, but yes. We'll never know now, will we? The Big 12 conference. We've gotten tweets. Hey, Dennis, awesome little soliloqu- soliloquy there in the middle of the show talking basketball. I can... Wait, you only did that because your co-host decided to walk out of the room because he had to take a tinkle. I, I did. Hopefully you guys uh, heard that. Um, but yes, the Big 12 conference tournament championship does get played at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. 
Dang. Sponsored, sponsored by Phillips 66. It's a gas station. But, but Dennis, to what, to what you were saying uh, at the top of this, uh, the conversation about college basketball, again, th- there was no way they, they couldn't do this, and there was no way they weren't going to have college basketball or, or a college basketball tournament played. I've said in the past few episodes, like college football, this is a mess. It's an absolute mess. Um, I say kind of tongue in cheek when I talk to you and our friends off the air about my beloved Temple Owls basketball team that has been hit uh, hit hard, um, had their one nine o'clock game tomorrow against Cincinnati on ESPN. That got canceled. That's like their fifth or sixth game that's been canceled. And it's just an absolute mess. And it's the same as college football. I, I admire college football for trying and trying to make this happen, but it's just a mess. They didn't try. They succeeded. It happened. It, we all watched the national title game. They quote, waited the plane. We had a season. It counts. Quote, unquote, succeeded. It was a mess. They hit shift. Uh, I'm looking at my keyboard right now. Shift eight. Is that the asterisk? Asterisk. Next Alabama if you want. I don't care. Quote, unquote, it was a mess. Um, and now we're going to, you and I, like I mentioned, and honestly, all things considered, I look forward to this conversation because you and I both know, and and I heard you while I was in the Matt and Dennis Research Studios talking about if conference tournaments are the a good, good idea, bad idea. Um, some people would call it the bathroom. Um, I call it the Matt and Dennis Research Studio. It's where business gets done. <laughs> it's business time. Um but what I, what I would say is we are going to have this exact conversation, which will be entertaining, and I look forward to it, in a month and a half, if not less than that, uh, that how, how is the tournament or how is the tournament committee? We ask them enough questions as it is in a full healthy season of why this team was let in over this team. And, and we make our predictions – and and what was the strength of schedule how did they make it in how did this 19 and 11 team make it in over this team that had seven losses that had a bigger strength how how we do all that we get up in arms about that as it is how is it going to come down to that if one there's no conference tournaments or if there are some conference tournaments and not others or by the 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 time it's said and done some teams have played half the schedule or maybe to make up for, like, let's just use my Temple Owls as an example. Temple has one-third of the games played as the majority of college basketball teams. What happens if they say at the end of February, first week of March, let's cram our games in there. We'll do five games a week and uh, on no rest or, or something to that nature. It's going to be a mess when it gets to that point. And like I've always said, one thing that I've admired deeply and greatly about college basketball that I will never admire about college football is it is the most inclusive of college athletics. It is the most inclusive tournament or, or championship or, or, or organized event in collegiate athletics. And what happens when they don't have a choice to, but not be inclusive and how they navigate around that. College football, late August, when there's a global pandemic and they're saying which conferences, which universities will play, which ones won't play, 
which games will get canceled, which games won't, how do we rearrange these games? That's an issue, but college football doesn't care. They're like, how do we get Alabama, Ohio State, how do we get them at the end of the season, or Clemson, or for you, Dennis, Notre Dame, how do we get them at the end of the season? College basketball, thankfully, and I'm grateful for this, do not think that way. Because some of college basketball's greatest moments, at least in our age, in our in the modern era, have come from situations that it wasn't at the beginning of the season what you thought would happen come March Madness. They don't think that way. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the NCAA tournament committee will deal with this. Because while it is only mid-January, at the rate we're going, it's going to stay messy through January. It's going to potentially get messier in February. And the NCAA tournament committee is going to have their hands full and they're going to have to answer a lot of questions and make a lot of, I'm sure, difficult decisions and, and who's going to get in and how the heck they navigate this. Nothing like this has ever happened. But for you and I, big college basketball fans, the NCAA tournament will happen. The question will be, what the heck is it going to look like? I just can't believe you consistently compare the college football playoff that includes four teams versus the NCAA tournament that includes 68 teams. And of sorry. course. It's right. the most Hold on. Hold on. There's 68 teams. Hold on. And I, yeah, look, I'm not going to argue Hold on. that it's bad or it's the greatest time of the year. I look forward to that first weekend more than anything else, barring a World Series or Super Bowl trip for one of my beloved teams. But we don't know if that is coming, so you just can't assume it. But we know the NCAA tournament comes as Matt goes back into the Matt and Dennis research facilities clearly the white claw is not sitting well tonight i was turning off the fan <laughs> no the matt on. and dennis research facilities it was that that much of a doozy huh hold on but but, but dennis i'm not, <laughs> I'm not and if and if our listeners unless you're listening tonight for the first time which i doubt you are hey. um, no i'm not i'm not saying you now they won't listen ever again i'm saying our listeners Everyone knows that I've made the point multiple times that as much as I would love for college football to be inclusive and do some crazy tournament, I know that that can't happen. What I'm saying is when college football, unlike college basketball, when college football starts the beginning of the season, they're saying if Alabama hoists a trophy, no matter if there were only five teams that played, if Alabama hoists a trophy at the end, that was a successful college football season. Well, anyone who hoisted a trophy, not yeah. just the best team. What do you? What do you? What is the point you're trying to make here? The point I'm trying to make is college football and college basketball have do two completely different outlooks. College football, and yet bad. you are comparing the two. Yes, I'm comparing the two. Okay. You sound like Dennis, circa 2008, trying to think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. Yeah, oh, how young and naive I was. That's wrong. Well, then you, then you saw the last dance. What yep. I'm saying is the college football playoff looks at it, or, or college football looks at the beginning of their season in a pandemic as how can we get one of these top five teams to hoist the trophy, and that's the end of the year. The way college basketball looks at it is how can we make 
all of these 65 teams, some of them elite, some of them Joe Schmoes, make it to a competitive tournament and then just see where the cards fall. College football does not look at it that way. Yeah, they want the look. Do you honestly think that the selection committee isn't kicking their feet? Because I don't know if that makes any sense. Kicking their feet, I don't think it does. It came out of my mouth, and I don't, I don't like it. But well, college, college basketball in sixty years, Matt, Duke, North Carolina, and North and Kentucky are all unranked at the same time. Mm -hmm. Sixty years was the last time that happened. Now I think Duke will probably figure it out. I think they they're like five and. I just had the game on five and three, five and four. There's something like that. They might, they might be able to figure out they have time. The ACC is not awful. I don't know about North Carolina, Kentucky. I don't know, man. They're already like four and eight. They might lose to Georgia tonight or tomorrow, whenever they play. And then they have an incredibly tough stretch in the next like two weeks, as long as barring that they can play. Do you think the selection committee wouldn't be all upset if those three teams weren't in the tournament? No. Because it's not. No, that, yeah, they'd be crying a river. I, I don't. Those I, teams drive audiences. It's money. The teams in the college football playoff this year, every one of them, drives viewership. But the college basketball, the college basketball committee gets the majority of its bread and butter from the tournament as a whole, not from, not from the championship. Yeah, because your mom and my mom, and every other Sue Ellen and Jane are filling out brackets at their offices and they haven't watched a, a second of college basketball, not, but they're still going to do it. Those are not our mom's names. I said them with the other ladies. Dennis, the we will never get it. One, one day we'll have a battle Royale over this conversation, but we'll never get over this. And somehow it comes out. We'll get in the jello pit. We'll hash it out. That works. And then we'll, we'll but, figure out who's right. But to come back to square one, who would have thought we'd have nothing to talk about tonight? Yeah, but to come back to square one, I'm excited about the the, the tournament. I just hope again, it's just it's just pro they're they're having problems and it's 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 significant and it will be maybe then when we get to the college basketball tournament and when they have to pick the when the committee has to pick and these top echelon college basketball elite programs do not get picked because they've had bad years or the majority of their season was canceled because of coronavirus. Maybe then Dennis will understand where I'm coming from. Maybe. Maybe then. Unless they still pick them. Cause it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Right. Exactly. But Speaking in, of the Benjamins in this case, I oh. college basketball. I, I hope they don't prove me wrong and go for the Benjamins, but regardless this will be very interesting to see where this goes. I don't think, I mean, while coronavirus in general, I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. I still don't think the rest of January and February, I don't think this gets any better anytime soon. All right. Well, I respect your opinion, but I don't like it. Now, back to my awesome segue. Speaking of the Benjamins. I appreciate your opinion, but it still hurts. Yeah. The NFL is going to get uber amounts of Benjamins. You know why? Because the Golden Boy is back in a uh, conference title game. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I love the meme. I don't always play in the AFC championship game. But when I don't, I play in the NFC championship game. That would be Tom Brady. 
Yes, I'm just skipping right to the Sunday night game from this past weekend. Saints Bucks, Drew Brees, he looked his age. Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady in every other postseason game we've ever seen. Little dink and dunks, little downfield throws here and there, mostly Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette getting everything that they wanted from the running game, offensive and defensive line for Tampa Bay controlling the line of scrimmage. Tampa Bay's defense, I'll tell you what, I really hate seeing Devin White have so much success in Tampa Bay because I wanted him so badly in a New York Giant uniform. Uh, Not to say I'm not wishing that he doesn't have success. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. And obviously that was the year the Giants drafted Daniel Jones, so apparently we weren't going to get what is looking like to be an all-pro linebacker anyway. But Matt, I'm going to start with this game because – I don't know. Maybe it holds the most weight. It's Tom Brady back in conference championship Sunday. It's Drew Brees hanging it up. Question mark. Mm-hmm. There's been no official announcement. The memes are running rampant that he's gone. Jay Glazer, the blazer said that he was going to be retiring after the game. Uh, he would breeze. I don't know if that's his nickname. But that's funny, right? Kind of rhymes. Yeah. You're giggling. You're welcome. Uh, and Tom Brady was having a little heart to heart with him on the at the end of the game on the field, dropping Nerf ball dimes to his son in the corner of the end zone. Why his son needed to wear gloves to catch a Nerf ball? Like, come on, bro. You know what I mean? Dennis, if I could just say, I never wore gloves to catch a Nerf ball. You don't have to wear gloves to catch a Nerf ball. That pass, a lot of people are like, oh, what an amazing moment. Is that the last time Drew Brees is going to play? It was a dime. His kids look so cute. People are overlooking that that was an absolute dime of a pass. He, he, he put it in the only spot where his receiver could catch it. Yeah. Now, that receiver was Drew Brees, and the defender was also Drew Brees' son. Or no, the receiver was Drew Brees' son. Defender was Drew Brees' son. Absolute dime of a pass. To Drew. Drew was just asking him, please, can we get some fold-up chairs? I'm so much – I am in so much pain right now. Why did you do this to me? Yeah. Get it? Because he took a beating from the defense. <laughs> and he's old. I understand. Okay. Thank you. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, how about some initial takeaways? You just heard mine. That was it. Yeah. Um, and then if you want, just transition it into the Packer game. You might as well just go conference by conference. Yeah, no, De- Dennis, it was, it was an enjoyable weekend. Again, um, I've been very pleased. Like I said, at the beginning of the playoffs, uh, it felt like Squidward watching Patrick and SpongeBob playing in the front yard because not because we deserve to be there because we definitely did not, but we were so close and uh, it would have been fun. And some of the performances uh, tell me we could have had a chance at least of winning a game or being competitive, but yeah, Buck Saints, that was probably the one I was looking forward to the most. Um, and, and Tom Brady was Tom Brady. It's just uh, he's not not human. Drew Brees has been on the decline um, for some time now, and if I saw I saw Anthony Russo, who is an old Temple quarterback that is now going to be the quarterback of Michigan State, or at least vying for the starting job, say. I thought you were going to talk about Anthony Russo, the young chap we went to high school with. No, but he's awesome too. Love that guy. Hopefully, he's listening. Um, but he said, he's like, I know when you lose like that, it's tough to retire on that note. So I think I'll come back. But the thing is, I don't know if Drew Brees – I know he definitely has stuff left in the tank, 
but I don't think Drew Brees has any has enough left in the tank and around him to make another super significant NFL playoff push, which is why I think that might have been the end of Drew Brees. You saw him go through the tunnel and you saw him kind of like look behind, like right at the end of the game there. So yeah, you give the crowd a little fist pump. Yeah. And there, there was like right before, right before I forget what net was it C no, it was Fox, right before it went to commercial. He like looked over his shoulder like as he was going into the the tunnel of the Superdome. And like kind of like a one last glimpse type thing. And it was so, a photo shoot. So that leads me to believe that, that that could be it um for him. But um did you want to go like game by game here or yeah, we just figured just transition it into the Packer game. We'll just take a conference by conference. You can, you can yeah. start. Yeah, no, and the, and the, the Packers, I, I feel like this was the one – this was probably for me. I, I think you might disagree with me on this, but this was one of the easiest – I think the easiest this past weekend for me to pick. Um, I have the Packers in the Super Bowl. I don't have them winning the Super Bowl, but I have the Packers yeah, in the Super Bowl. you called me insane for picking them to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, Aaron Rodgers is, is playing some of the best football he's played. And the Rams, who I thought kind of backed into the playoffs, who were definitely capable of doing some damage, but we haven't really seen that damage done. You're just bitter because they beat the Seahawks. No, I'm not. The Seahawks <laughs> yeah. I just thought the Seahawks would win. <laughs> but Rams the Packers, are a good team. They got a good defense. No, they do have a good defense, but the Packers are just significantly better, and the Packers are the best team in the NFC, and there's there's no questions asked. And uh, I look forward to – we'll get to this this game, but I look forward to hopefully Patrick Mahomes um, being healthy and, and what would mean a repeat for them. I really don't – I have nothing against the Packers. I really don't, but I don't know. I, I just don't want them to win the Super Bowl. And, and shout-out to my buddy Jared – who's probably listening. Love you, Jared. Um, I'm not a Packers hater, but I just want to be right in my pick that the Chiefs um, that the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl. It's nothing against the Packers. It's just I want to be right, and I want Dennis to be wrong. Wow. I also respect that, but it hurts a little. Matt. It's your honesty, but it still hurts. This was not that easy of a pick. I knew how good... The Rams' defense was coming in. That's why I picked them to beat Seattle. I did not expect them to demolish Russell Wilson in that offense as well as they did. I figured that they would have stretches where they could not slow down the Packer offense. Devontae Adams was going to get his. We would imagine that we would see Aaron Jones busting off big gains at times, and we saw those things. But to me, and this is why I picked the Packers to not only get to the Super Bowl but win the Super Bowl – it's just the play calling. Look, I'll get to the defensive side of the ball for them, but offensively, that Devontae Adams touchdown was a thing of beauty, watching the replay, moving him to one side of the field. Ramsey's going to follow him, as he should be shadowing the best receiver that's on the field. That gives the Rams the best shot to win, having your best defender on their best weapon. But then to put Adams in a full-on sprint back across the line of scrimmage, Ramsey cannot keep up with him. He does not see that coming. And as the ball is snapped, Adams is still at full speed. And then he just turns around. Aaron Rodgers drops in a little dinky dunk, touchdown. And, of course, Ramsey throws his hands up because it seemed that possibly 
the corner that was staying on the right side of the field was supposed to help giving that situation, or maybe was supposed to pick up a tight end, a blocking tight end that was going to block and then head in the end zone. I don't know what the responsibility was, but clearly something didn't work out. It's that stuff. I watched this thing on NFL live today because it just happened to be on. And it was Dan Orlowski who he kind of talks a little loud for me. I don't it's so I think it's just in the ESPN thing. There's a lot of loud people on that network. Now there really are. Uh, but he was pointing out play calling and two huge blocks that he made in the running game, both were the exact same plays to allow Williams and Jones separate occasions to get chunks of 10 to 12 yards. They then in the fourth quarter run the exact same play. And that was the deep bomb to uh, Lazar for the touchdown. So it's just, it's that type of thing. It's me not having the football mind, not watching film, seeing that that's happening, but someone that is a football mind, a guy who was successful in college, had an NFL career is going to watch the film afterwards and see this is where the Packers are going to beat you. And that ended up being the icing on the cake, that touchdown. It's that play calling. It's that adjusting. It's what LaFleur has done with that offense since taking over and Aaron Rodgers getting better and better in that offense and obviously having exceptional relationships with his wide receiver core. Defensively, now, I thought their line looked better and better and stronger and stronger as the game went on. Not typically something you see from the big guys up front. It just looked like golf couldn't do anything. Sometimes he didn't have enough time to throw the ball. The running game at times was non-existent, although Cam Akers had himself a fine game. He's going to be a legit stud running back in this league. I mean, I said it at the draft. I was a year early on some guys, everybody but Jamar Chase, pretty much. Everybody else I said would have big years, pretty much blew up. Uh, except for T. Higgins, he did okay. He did all right. And Austin Dillon showed up in the last two weeks of the year, but I had to drop him because my team was so injury riddled and I was in on verge of becoming a calendar man next year. So I didn't get to keep him for my keeper, but that's neither here nor there. Acres, really good. Maybe if you got him in a dynasty league, you're making out pretty, pretty, pretty good. But look, it's the Packers just in all three phases won that football game against a team I thought and think has a really good defense in the Rams. And they proved once again, even with the week off, that they're the best team in the NFC, quite possibly the best team in the NFL. Matt, on to the AFC. I don't know if you have a retort there. No? No, I, no, I, I, I really don't. I mean, nothing, nothing you said was was wrong. The the Rams have always had a, I've had a good defense all year, but it just is. But the Packers are the best team in the NFC, and and the interesting thing about it is we always knew that the Packers were probably one of the top teams in the NFC, but we never thought that. Or I should say, and, and you mentioned this, Aaron Rodgers kind of came into this offense, an offense that had been changed and an offense that, frankly, Aaron Rodgers needed to command. And I think he had a chip on his shoulder coming into the season. You mentioned the draft. Green Bay drafted what very well they made. drafted Jordan Love. What would appear. Everyone to, was saying, well, is Aaron Rodgers out the door? Right. What would appear to be his replacement and Aaron Rodgers, while he didn't come out guns blazing, definitely made it known that he was not happy about it. And he could have looked for a trade, but he chose instead to say, this is my team and I'm going to do what I want. His, his relationship with, with Coach LaFleur has, I, I would say, not always been great, but has never been great. And um, 
but Aaron Aaron Rodgers is saying discount double check right now or what what is it State Farm or whatever the heck that's it. it. They kind of changed it up though. It's like the Rodgers rate. Yeah, the Rodgers rate and the Rodgers Mahomes. rate, the Mahomes rate. Yeah, and and I mean I'm not gonna get ahead of ourselves here, but it's not as good, in my opinion. Tampa Bay Bucks, um, and there really are no home field advantages right now because of lack of fans. The majority of stadiums they had Packer fans there for the first time this year. The majority of fan, of stadiums in the NFL, maybe not majority, but a good chunk of them are not having fans. Tampa Bay, and we'll talk about this in our episode in the back end of the week. Tampa Bay now going to Green Bay. Um, probably two of, if not the best, NFC uh, teams. Brady, Rodgers, Tampa Bay going to the tundra. It's going to be cold, whether it's a beautiful sunny day or cloudy or it's snowing. One thing is for certain. We don't know if it's going to be cloudy, sunny, snowing, raining, but one thing is for certain, it's going to be cold. Won't affect Tom Brady, I don't believe, because Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Will it affect? He did say his blood has thinned out a little bit since being down in Tampa. I'll say, um, will will it affect the Bucks? Got to put an extra thermal on. I think the greatest of all time. It won't affect him, but will it affect the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, who are playing in Florida? We don't know that, um, but it's going to be awesome. But we will talk about that um, later in the week. Sure. Uh, AFC. We'll just start with the game that took place first. The game that. Was supposed to have snow in the second half. I told oh, no. I no told snow you. we had. I told you. Unbelievable. Meteorologists. Jerks. Dennis, I literally looked up Weather Channel Friday night while we were recording it, and they said there were going to be flurries at best. I told you. I don't remember you saying that. Yeah, because we were both having adult beverages during the broadcast. Having adult beverages before the podcast, during the podcast, after the podcast. As I said, degenerates. Moving on. I don't know if there has been a team. Now, preface this by saying that some of these teams have only played one game, but a team that has looked better than the Buffalo Bills. Circle, the wagons. Matt, I know you've been on them all year. Look, I've been a fan. I have picked against them at times. I was wrong a couple times. I have nothing. Look, I want. I was at the point where I was rooting for the Cleveland Browns because nothing would have brought me more joy than for those fan bases in Buffalo and Cleveland to be duking it out in an AFC title game. Now, Cleveland, unfortunately, couldn't get the job done. Uh, Chad Henney, which we'll get to, miraculous fashion with Andy Reid's big old cojones. But Buffalo, man, just the defense. Look, I, the offense did fine. Josh Allen, again, kind of controlling things. They don't really have a run game, which kind of bothers me. I feel like now, and we're, we might see it against Kansas City, maybe not a lack of a run game. Now, they're going to be able to run the ball with Josh Allen, you'd assume, but a lot of those I think are either going to be designed plays or more likely broken plays where Allen's just looking downfield and has no options. But the Bills' defense, to just make a mockery of Baltimore's offense like they did, I mean, yes, obviously the pick six is a big deal, 101 yards, which I don't – did you see the meme that was released? He's the guy that was at the combine that ran out to, re like, receive the catches and you have to, like, turn each way, and he turned one way and the ball hit him on the head. Do you remember that picture or, like, that video? I'll have no. to send it to you. 
Well, Tremaine Johnson, apparently it's the same guy. <laughs> this guy that ran out in the combine like a, a couple of years ago, you start on the sideline and you run out and then there are balls coming from each end and you just have to turn quickly and catch them. Well, he didn't turn quick enough and the ball hit him right in the head. And in, in the combine, obviously you're just in spandex and underwear, basically there's no helmets, pads. So it just walked him right on the head. Same guy takes back a interception, 101 yards to seal the bills win. Matt, I'll let you go ahead and gloat because you've been uh, Buffalo in all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, that's why I had them this one, Dennis. I mean, like all, all year, like, command the Baltimore Ravens they had a good team but they they were not they they had a terrible end to their incredible season last year still I believe at the end of last year although the Chiefs won that the Baltimore Ravens were the best team in football last year I I still believe that and the Ravens just crapped the bed at the worst possible time so you use that anger and you come back this year and have just as good a year if not better that never happened for the Baltimore Ravens. Never clicked. They never instilled the same fear um, that they did in the other team. J.K. Dobbins had a good year, pretty re- really good year, I should say. Lamar Jackson had the, had COVID for a bit, but still could not, subpar at best. Was subpar at best. Could not throw the ball. Lamar Jackson running. Still Lamar Jackson running. He got he got the playoff win in Tennessee. Got over that hurdle. But they were never – they never instilled fear in the teams they were playing because of how they played. Last year they did that. This year they did not. And the Buffalo Bills were a better team. The Buffalo Bills have had one of the best turnarounds, much overdue turnarounds, so it had to happen eventually at some point. And, and honestly, the way – Buffalo was better than Tennessee, significantly better. The way – Baltimore played against Tennessee. They played well. They did what they needed to do to win. But they did what they needed to do to beat Tennessee. That was not going to be enough to beat the Buffalo Bills, who are, in my opinion, the second-best team in the AFC behind the Kansas City Chiefs. And we'll talk more again, as I'll say probably again before the show's over tonight. We'll talk more about that at the back end of the week when we go into predictions. But Josh Allen – this Buffalo Bills team, Stefan Diggs, that they've even called Beasley has has been all right for them. And this kind of this kind of mesh that they have brought together of these guys that that know how to be successful for the most part has worked wonders for the Buffalo Bills. It's given that city something to to, to be super pumped about. And the Buffalo Bills just aren't in the playoffs. They are a contender. The Buffalo Bills may not be the sexiest team that is going to be left moving on, but the bills are probably the best story and the bills can hang. I'm, I'm not counting them out. They're not going to be my super bowl winner prediction by any means, but the bills can hang. And, and again, Baltimore Ravens, decent year, solid year. They picked it up in December and the back in December, especially Lamar Jackson gets the first playoff win. Dobbins played really well down the stretch but it wasn't enough and no one was scared of them at the end. And the Buffalo bills are just a better team. And that, and that was Dennis. That was our only disagreement that we had um, in terms of playoff picks last week, you had um, the Rams and I had Seattle. So you took a one game lead on me. I had Buffalo, you had Baltimore. So we are nodded back up. Yeah. And technically because we made the picks early, 
you'll basically win as long as the Packers don't win the Super Bowl. Right. Because I would have picked Baltimore to beat Kansas City and then reach the Super Bowl and lose. Speaking of Kansas City, they were the second game in the AFC. First game on Sunday. A scary moment. I guess we could focus mostly on Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, see, I said it to you. You you remember that video? That was pretty good. I've never seen that. Oh, really? (laughs) That was pretty good. Yeah, it was a couple years ago. Um. Yeah, he he goes down. He did not look good. All sorts of wobbly trying to get up. Uh, They did report today that he made uh, massive leaps forward in concussion protocol, but he is still in concussion protocol. So we'll see what he looks like towards the end of the week. Now, I mean, he still has uh, three days, I guess, three and a half to kind of be ready. I mean, maybe even give him four, but – I'd, I'd imagine he plays unless there is something seriously wrong. And if he doesn't play, I think it'll still be close. I think Kansas City is good enough. But, I mean, that's a massive, massive advantage for the Bills. Um, I just want to give props to the Browns. And I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. People keep crapping on him. Yeah, and I'm, I'm attacking our good buddy Ellis Gill a little bit here because for some reason he hates him because he thinks he's better than everybody else because he's cocky. He's this, he's that. The Colin Cowherd effect. I don't want my quarterback to wear my his hat backwards in press conferences. Look, the guy's a winner. He's a proven winner. And all I want is a nice junk grab like he gave us when he was at Oklahoma. I give the, I mean, I give them huge props for coming back into that football game. Say what you will, Patrick Mahomes is out. Maybe the play calling is a little bit different. Maybe Cleveland doesn't get as close. Uh, obviously, Henny throws a terrible interception in the end zone, looking for Demarcus Robinson. I'd imagine that's who he was looking for. Tyreek Hill was kind of coming over, but he was coming over way late. Uh, Robinson was covered well, and then he threw it to his left. So bad interception there, and Cleveland would turn that into points. But I don't know. It's kind of typical. Andy Reid, the cojones, man, to make that play call, to have him throw the football, a play that they run all the time with Tyreek Hill just going out into the flat. It's a perfect play call. You don't want to give them back the ball. I kind of don't understand why Cleveland wasn't calling timeouts right away. They kind of could have used a timeout, and then maybe if they get the stop, have closer to a minute left rather than they were probably going to have like 25 seconds left. So I don't really know how I feel about that. But it's just Andy Reid. It's Andy Reid. It's why they look the way they looked last year. It's why, I mean, yes, Patrick Mahomes is an incredible talent, but it's why he has had the success as early as he has had in the NFL. Put him in another system, he's probably a little bit worse. He's just a guy that's a gunslinger, going to throw the ball 50 times a game, probably throw a couple of interceptions here or there. Now, I'm going to take away from anything that the, the playmakers that he has, but it's Andy Reid's scheme. I believe full-heartedly that that is that outweighs Mahomes talent. I know as talented as Patrick Mahomes is, but I think the offense that has been built for him is a huge additive to his success in the NFL. And we saw the play calling work for Chad Henney of all people. So chiefs moving on. I don't really have much to say. It's an entertaining game. Probably the most entertaining game of the weekend. Yep. Yeah, Dennis, this was uh, probably my second, um, 
favorite game that I was uh, at least looking forward to um, before the weekend. Before you and I both picked um, the Chiefs, and you said it would be a Browns blowout. It was not, but um, I'm not going to be like Chiefs, I was right. Chiefs blowout. I didn't pick the Browns. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Chiefs blowout. You said it was going to be a Chiefs blowout, and I'm not necessarily going to say, "Hi, I told you so." It wasn't a Chiefs blowout because obviously the Mahomes, um, Mahomes concussion. We hope he's back. Uh, that's the good thing about us having two episodes because hopefully we'll have more information on that by Thursday or Friday night whenever we record next, and that'll probably sway our predictions uh, one way or the other. But, yeah, I mean, uh, congratulations, Chad Henney, uh, first playoff win. Um, congratulations to Andy Reid. Congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs. Was it their third straight AFC championship game? Which uh, is the first or the longest ever or first time it's ever been done? I think so. Which is yeah. kind of mind-boggling. And credit to, like you mentioned, the cojones of, of Andy Reid. I, I feel like I don't need to give him credit because everyone knows between his time in Philadelphia and his time in Kansas City that he's not afraid to make difficult decisions. Sometimes it makes him out to be an absolute legend. Other times, especially in Philadelphia, it pretty much made Philly fans call for his rear end. But you have Chad Henney on fourth and one. You have Tony Romo and Jim Nance. Well, they're just gonna they're gonna try to call Cleveland uh, on the. They're gonna try to do the hard count, and then Cleveland will get the ball back with a minute or a minute, whatever was left. Did that not also sound like Tony Romo was probably like a five year old kid, just uber yeah. excited in his chair, jumping up? He was calling out plays. He was making predictions before things were ruled. That's, that's what he always does. That's that's how Tony Romo has been made a beloved commentator because he knows what's coming five plays before that too but then he also made the play where he was like that's a catch he's got it he's taking the chiefs to the super bowl not realizing that replay over and over again is saying that no guy it's coming back <laughs> no no he's like he took him to the afc championship <laughs> even though which which to tony romo's in his defense it looked like it until they showed that chad henny's uh elbow yeah. um was indeed down like inches before the the marker but Jim Nance, Tony Rowan, both like, oh, he, he's not going for it. They're just going to do the hard count. They're going to get Cleveland, jump off, try to jump him off or jump off the ball. And if not, Baker Mayfield has it like a minute. I, I forget what the exact uh, time was. It's like, oh, there is going to be a play. And then uh, I think it was Tyreek Hill. Was, oh, Jim, this is exciting. Yeah, it was wide open. Got like a four or five yard gain to get the first down. So ballsy move from a backup quarterback, head coach Andy Reid. Um, but there, there was a lot of good stuff. I mean, Mahomes leaves, and again, probably you're probably right, Dennis, that Kansas City may have blown out that game if Mahomes, Mahomes didn't leave. You figure there's some more offense from Kansas City if Mahomes doesn't leave, but there wasn't, and the game was not a blowout. Cleveland made it really uh, respectable, and you mentioned Ellis hates Baker Mayfield. I hate Baker Mayfield's personality, but also some weekends I don't because, again, I got to call balls and strikes. The progressive commercials are hilarious. and They're the best commercials running right now. For, and that for, is his personality. For people like us that do not live in the Cleveland area, that are not Cleveland Browns fans, for, for New York Giants fans that have never known much about Cleveland, I've been there a couple times. Very pleasant city. But it, it helps to rebuild Baker's personality. And it is working. Those commercials are funny. 
They are enjoyable. It makes Baker seem like a good person, but he's a good athlete. I'm not necessarily sold completely on the personality yet, but he did everything he did. And, and, and the Cleveland Browns fans, they made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. Baby steps. Like, trust me, I, I, I get the frustration. It's been so many years. You finally get it. You feel like you have a team that can win games. They have won games. They've proven it. Baby steps. This is not the end of the Cleveland Browns. This wasn't a one and done that they're going to go back to crap next year. They're going to be around for a while. There's a couple pieces that probably need to be adjusted here and there, but you got a good coach and you have a coach that really couldn't coach you down the stretch because he got COVID and was sitting in his basement um, and Kevin Stavansky, but. Uh, it, well, and credit him for what he's done at, at play calling wise and how he's worked with Baker. They dealt with a ton of injuries offensively and look, they've had the conversations and Matt, Yo, you would love this conversation. I know which end you would lean on. The Browns are better without Odell Beckham Jr. Because mm-hmm. the stats do not lie. What Baker did and what that offense looked like post-Odell this season, he was more comfortable, more relaxed, spreading it around to multiple receivers. The running game and back coming out of the backfield was utilized much more. It wasn't a, I have to get this guy the football. I'm just going to spread it out where I see fit. Yeah, and Dennis, Browns won eleven games doing that. I'll do you. I'll do you one better. I mean, obviously, this isn't. This is a different. This kind of apples and oranges here. But like, like you just mentioned, Odell Beckham gone, which going into the season is one of your top, if not your top wide receiver, and he's gone. What the heck are we going to do? How are the Browns going to be successful? Add that with supposedly your top, your your top uh, running back, Nick Chubb, gone for half the year, and you still find a way to not just make the playoffs, but convincingly make the playoffs and convincingly be one of the top teams in the AFC after you and I don't need to spend any time explaining it, the history that is the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And and coming off of a year and the year previous that after all the offseason moves the Browns had made went from one of the most embarrassing jokes of an NFL franchise two Super Bowl favorites nearly within a matter of hours. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, uh, if there's any Cleveland Browns fans listening, I'm not necessarily rooting for or against the Cleveland Browns, but this is not the end for the Cleveland Browns. I think this is just the beginning. I'm sure it's difficult, but they have a lot to look forward to. Um, And the Browns are going to be a a force to be reckoned with. I don't think they're going to be Super Bowl favorites in the next couple of years, but um, they're definitely going to be an AFC team. That's going to cause uh, some serious trouble. Yeah. And you look at the possible changing of the guard in that division. We know how good Joe, Joe Burrow is. We'll see what he is like coming off of his surgery, but it seems like they're rocking and rolling, at least from gathering young players offensively and a couple defensive, the Browns are already there. 10 plus win team, making the playoffs, getting a playoff win. I think it was just one positive after another for Browns fans. You now just sit back and say, Hey, we made the playoffs. We got a win. We beat our rival Steelers in that win. And we hung with the best team pretty much in football and the defending Super Bowl champions. So you take the positives. And that's what I think Buffalo Bill fans have to take as well. Now I think the Bills are a couple steps ahead, but there are these younger teams. Look what Washington did. Washington in the wild card round. I, they're ready defensively. They figure some stuff out offensively. 
They add a couple extra pieces, maybe the back end and the secondary. All of a sudden, Washington is a contender to win the division next year. Said it here first, Matt Nett podcast. But Matt, I don't really have anything else. We'll get to uh, predictions and more of that D uh, crapola on Thursday or Friday, whenever we decide to release it. Yep. But do you have any uh, closing thoughts? No. Um, again, uh, it's as a fan of a team that uh, pretty much had a very solid shot at making the playoffs and didn't. It's always a bummer. And uh, to, to watch games from the outside looking in, but this has been from, from recent years, I think this has been one of the most exciting um, like uh, football playoffs in terms of matchups, especially considering there's no fans in the stands. Um, there's really been some intriguing matchups, super pumped for the Cleveland Browns and especially as they continue on the Buffalo bills. So I'm um, looking to be fair though. There were fans in every, uh, stadium this past weekend yeah but i'm talking like full stadium i know not 50 60 thousand but yeah and you, you hurt for for like teams like cleveland and teams like buffalo that really i mean cleveland hasn't had a uh hasn't been able to have a home game in the playoffs but buffalo their first time in the playoffs and and so long and you can't uh pack the stadium which is which is unfortunate for that but uh again like you mentioned we'll talk about football this week but I would just to put a little uh, bug in our in our ears. Um, one of my favorite matchups this weekend already, or my favorite matchup coming up will be Packers and uh, Bucks. I think over and over Chiefs and uh, Bills. And I think one of the most intriguing things is these two teams have played each other, and the last time they played, the Bucks won thirty-eight to ten. I think. They're both still good, but it's two completely different stories, I think, in different ways since then. So it'll be I'm, – I'm excited to talk about that later in the week on our next show. Definitely. Absolutely. I will end it there. I will end it here because I do want to mention this because I just saw it come across the bottom of the screen, and I'd hate myself if I didn't mention this. Thoughts and prayers to the legendary Tiger Woods because he underwent successful back surgery today. The reports are that he is planning on being ready for Augusta and the Masters come April. The Michael Scott no memes were ablaze on Twitter and social media platforms today because you never want to hear Tiger Woods in surgery. It's not good for the game. It's not good for fans. Saying it's successful, saying that there's a chance he'll be at Augusta to not so much defend his title because we had the Masters in the fall, but you know, defend his spring master's title. One can only hope. So, you know, there's that. But uh, follow us on Twitter, Matt Dennis Pod, on Facebook, Matt Dennis. We will check in on you later in the week with conference championship picks. As always, I'm Dennis. He's Matt. Adios. Adios.